This is the ORISE FeatureCast, a special edition of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, for conversations with ORISE research program participants and their mentors as they talk about their experiences and how they are helping shape the future of science. Welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast. Well, it's another Wednesday, and it's another fantastic episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast. My name is Michael Holtz, your host, with my co-host and friend. I thought you were going to say your favorite co-host and friend. I was like, I'm your only. (laughs) And yes, my name is Jenna Harpenau. Thank you. (laughs) One friend and co-host. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I take the job very seriously, though. You do, and I appreciate that very much. Um, So, welcome. Thanks. Hope you're doing well. I am. So, I know, again, we say this every episode. We're very excited. It's because <laughs> everyone's new guest. and it's fresh and yeah, it's a fun thing to talk about. So, but I'm we are excited. genuinely talking to one of the most passionate people, I think, in our organization, mm-hmm. Dr. Craig Lehman, who is very—he's the associate director of workforce development for Orise and ORAU, and he's exceedingly passionate about what he does. And I always love chatting with him. Dr. Craig Lehman, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Glad to have you here. So, Craig, tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got here, all of that fantastic stuff. You're also like superstar teacher emeritus <laughs> mm-hmm. at the University of Tennessee. You got a lot going on. <laughs> you know, every time anyone asks me that question, there's a song that always goes through my head because it kind of defines me and how I've gotten to these places. But it's a, a song by a gentleman by the name of John Cougar Mellencamp. Yes. You've heard of him, right? I'm Absolutely. not showing my age, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's just called Mellencamp now. But it's, <laughs> it's called Small Town. Yep. Do you know the yes. song? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Does it... Anybody want to sing the song? Am no. I supposed to sing? I'm not supposed to sing the song, right? I Only if like, you want to. Yeah. Small town, right? <laughs> a small town boy, right? That's 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 you know that's that's who I am. Um, I have a strong agrarian as a root system of growing up. Uh, grew up on a farm. Didn't think I would be in this position today to talk to you, but it's it's certainly my pleasure to be in this position. I have spent my entire professional career in and out of uh, academia in some way. And you know, while we don't award degrees or certificates yes. of, of completion here at ORU, we certainly impact um, higher education and we impact the lives of, of thousands of learners across the United States and abroad. Absolutely. So um, I'm, um, I'm taking that as my, my continued link to, to academia. <laughs> yeah. Prior to my arrival here, I, I did spend time both in the classroom um, and as an administrator as well. So, again, thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. Glad to have you. Um, and again, I anytime we have a conversation about workforce development and research participation programs and even K-12, through I always come away excited and having learned something new Mm -hmm. about the work that we do and we know we've talked about this a little bit before workforce development is about 90 percent of what we do as an organization and there's so much that's involved in that i mean we truly do this sort of 
almost birth, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, to right. graduation slash faculty um, process of bringing people along in STEM education and then filling the research pipeline and, and all of those amazing things that we do. Not to just say, talk about that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but kind of. Um, we have an important role to play. We we have a, such an incredible role to play, and we're privileged each day to be a part of our nation's um, economic system as it relates to science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, mathematics, excuse me, education. Mm-hmm. What's really incredible about what we do as an organization, as a company at Oak Ridge Associated Universities, is we have been doing the same thing for 73 years. Mm -hmm. It always gives me so much pleasure to stand in front of any group that I'll talk to and say, I'm working for one of the best not-for-profit agencies in America doing the same thing we were chartered to do for the same people Mm -hmm. that we were charged to do it for. And that's because, and I I don't mean to sound overly prideful by saying (laughs) this, but that's because this organization does it well. And and part of that is our staff. Our team that we have here is an incredibly bright, uh, some are very brilliant, to be perfectly honest Mm -hmm. with you, team of subject matter experts that certainly understand what they're doing. We're comprised of scientists, of engineers, of educators, both K through 12, um, and you know, post-secondary education as, as well. Business people, brilliant business people that understand how to make a business decision. You know, mm-hmm. Even though we're not for profit, we, used, we still have to make business Absolutely. decisions. Um, veterans, former military people, we've just got such an empowered, staff that you it's easy to implement and execute our mission now you, it's not really what you you you, you, kinda, okay. you, you kind of ask about I mean, you don't have to talk about the staff right. right because they're so good yeah but you ask about our mission what we do workforce development such a broad term right completely related to economic development mm, i mentioned earlier that you know our mission is is to positively impact the workforce for all of our sponsors. Mm -hmm. And I also gave a hint that said 73 years, we've been doing the same thing for some of the same people. Well, what does that mean? And and who are these people, right? So the Department of Energy, our our, our federal government really is what I'm saying, the Department of Energy being one of our main sponsors, but other, um, other agencies across the executive branch are our sponsors as well. And so when we say workforce development, we are engaged with ensuring that the Department of Energy and and the other agencies have a scientific and engineering, a technical workforce that's primarily research-based that will serve their needs for not only today, but for future generations Mm -hmm. to come. And you ask, well, why is that important, right? <laughs> Our nations, I don't mean to, I don't mean to soft sell this. In fact, hopefully the inflection of my voice will come off that I'm not soft selling. <laughs> right. Our nation's economic independence relies on this. Mm-hmm. So when you think about innovation through the centuries, and I'm gonna give a very simplistic uh, example here because I'm not sure who your target audience is. Maybe, maybe it's 
K through twelve or or, or, or grade schools or just anybody, right? Anybody we that live, wants to learn. We live in a world of micro targeting. Yeah. So <laughs> literally every episode of the podcast that we do is probably tailored a little bit to a different audience yeah. because we've talked about everything from nuclear safety culture to um Renee Powell, who was last year's Extreme Classroom Makeover winner. Mm-hmm. So it's it's on some level, it's any and everybody, but in this case, it's probably going to be people who are interested in workforce development mm-hmm. and maybe a little K-12 and mm-hmm. people who just want to know what the heck our organization does. <laughs> well, you know, with our primary focus being STEM workforce development mm-hmm. and STEM majors and STEM disciplines being so incredibly important. So uh, I'll set up my example by saying this. When you look at innovation through the years, sometimes it's hard to see innovation. Right. Sometimes it's it's hard to see the growth of what one might consider innovation. Now, you know, thousands of years ago, when we began creating tools to help with, uh, you know, you know, shifting cultures at the time from more hunter you know type cultures to gathering type cultures, and we start creating tools. Well, we started, you know, that you know that's a part of innovation. We didn't think of it as STEM-based innovation because our, our educational systems weren't modernized and developed to the way that they are today. Right. But when you think about the pace of STEM-based innovation, uh, innovation today, and the and the fact that we must continue to cultivate and build those that can can not only keep pace. With, with what we're doing um, in, in industry, academia, and, and other places. But we've got to be thinking 15, 20, 30 years in advance as to how we're going to shape the pace of that innovation. Our role is to ensure that those agencies and that industry and that our nation has the workforce that can keep pace with, with the speed of, of really change. Mm-hmm. We live in an unprecedented time of... of of speed of change, Definitely. and it's it's almost if it's it's almost hard to understand um, the the rate of which things are changing and how we have to keep up with this rate. So, how do we do that? How do we? How is it that we're able to look that 10, 20, 30 years? down the road to ensure that that workforce is Thanks for asking that question. That's really good. And you didn't you don't have a list of questions in front of you. We didn't we didn't plan on this in advance. So one of the reasons why I wanted to set up the fact that our workforce is so good was everyone's workforce. I mean, we can't plan, you know, machines can't program themselves. Um, you know, theories can't be supported. You know, research papers, manuscripts aren't authored. Uh, individually, right? They're, they're authorized teams and groups. So when you look at what we're trying to do and you look at how we're trying to do it, it begins at the grassroots level. It begins, you know, K through 12. It begins exposure to concepts. It begins with, you know, that, that, that understanding with, um, with the teachers that give so much of their time, uh, not just nine months, out of the year, 10 months out of the year, and then they take off for two to three months in the right. summertime. But they're giving so much of their time, 12 months a year, 
Um, I, I, I would over-exaggerate by saying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, <laughs> but I'm sure they feel that way yeah. right. because they're so impassioned about mm-hmm. what they're doing with these learners. But it begins there. It begins with things that we're doing with our K through 12 activities, our teacher workshops, mm-hmm. and, our, and our summer camps. We're passionate, as, as you know, about, uh, about teaching uh, teachers, about mm-hmm. exposing Absolutely. teachers yeah. yes. to the latest technologies and tools that will make their classrooms successful. So the teachers will have something in their toolbox to pull out mm-hmm. to ignite that STEM spark that, that we've, we all know that's out there for, uh, for these young learners. Mm-hmm. So I truly believe it begins K through five, not just six through eight mm-hmm. or nine through 12 high school. I think it begins K through five. I think it begins with identifying and training um, passionate teachers. I'm not so sure how much you can train passion into a teacher, right? Yeah. Um, maybe somebody can, can argue with me or debate me with, with you on that one. But I, I think teachers are very much needed. Uh, if you're not gonna train you know, passion in the teachers, probably not possible. You train, you know, you train them how to teach STEM. Right. And you give them the tools to teach STEM. And that's something that we're incredibly mm-hmm. passionate about here as well. The summer camps for kids is something that we do and and, and we do a lot of them, especially during mm-hmm. the summer and then Absolutely. off the summer too. Um, other events that we're that we're going to do for the kids, such as Tennessee Science Bowl or National Science mm-hmm. Bowl or any of the other type of events that we do, those are the ways to begin this process. And then we hope this process carries over when they get to post-secondary education as well. And, and that's really where we need to retain them through the pipeline to not see the leakage from undergraduate to graduate school mm-hmm. onto their postdoctoral studies, if there's going to be postdocs. Uh, postdoctoral studies, or just simply out into the workforce in general. So I guess I guess I, I, I pause there to say it begins with well qualified, passionate staff, mm-hmm. right, and 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 learners that want to take that extra step, that want to engage in that next level mm-hmm. discovery that this nation will need, and really the world will need, you know, in the future. What I think is amazing about what our K through 12 staff does. You can see how passionate they are. Absolutely. And I believe passion ignites passion, it right? Does. It's it's like, you know, lighting a candle with another candle, right? So our folks are so passionate about teaching other teachers and even other students. Other teachers can't help but get fired mm-hmm. up by that. And I also think that we are have been lucky. Um, the teachers that take our courses during the summer, I, I, I feel like the majority of them have that spark for learning and they want to be here and there's a reason here and they're already, if you talk to them after the first day, they're already thinking of ways they can go back and implement what they've learned in the first four hours of their class, how they're gonna take it back and how much their students are gonna love it. So I think we're lucky because we get more contact with those passionate teachers that you were talking about. I feel like we see them maybe a lot more than than others and Absolutely. and we're around them a lot more which we is are. cool and it their passion also rubs off on us when we get to talk to them and interview them about their classes and how they plan to use what they learned and you know what they how they feel about their students it just kind of comes full circle 
You know, I, let, let me say something about our K-12 staff, if you'll allow me. <laughs> and it's our staff in general, uh, but I, I really just want to illustrate their creativity. I'll do that by telling this small little story. Well, um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, mm-hmm. but I will say that we are in October, right? right. And we're, we're around the Halloween time frame. Mm-hmm. Well, one of our staff members, not K through 12, on our uh, research participation side, her name's Sarah Beth. So she came up with this idea to host a Halloween decorating cube uh, party, okay. right? Um, and so she came to me with this idea. I thought it was a wonderful idea. It's, it's one of the ways that we can um, be, to borrow a cliche, one that we know well, you know, further together mm-hmm. and that we can empower our employees and make our workplace a little bit better. She came up with this idea. And so uh, the staff started decorating their offices. There's cubes. And if you haven't had a chance to walk around on the second floor, mm-hmm. we would invite, you to, mm-hmm. yeah, invite yeah. you to do that if you are so badged to, uh, to <laughs> enter our so. building. Appropriate um, yes, you, yeah, you need those. That would help. Um, but it, so people started decorating their, their, their cubes and their, their offices. So two days ago, I walked past the space where the K through 12 staff sit. And so three or four were there decorating their offices and I walked up to them and I said, I knew it was the only amount of time before your creativity and your competitive spirit mm-hmm. emerged <laughs> and I knew everyone else was in trouble. Right. And I think that, that, that really illustrates the the you know Jennifer Tyrell uh-huh. and Kayla Canary and Chris uh-huh. Nelson and Pai Mua and Karen and and all the team and, and I'm sorry if I missed anyone but all the team <laughs> that personified that passion that goes into their job every single day uh-huh. because day in day out with K through 12 their mission is to better and to help someone else's life, mm-hmm. whether that's a, a child or that's a teacher that's going to impact that child one of these days. And that's, it's truly an honor to get to work with uh, this team and, and to watch them work Definitely. as well. And so with that said, I'll also say, you know, that statement can also be said about our research participation staff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because they clock in every day and they help administer well, they help recruit, identify uh, talent mm-hmm. for the federal agencies. They help administer appointments and administer professional development and evaluate the programs. And they put a lot of effort into the learning objectives and the mentoring aspects of, of these programs. Mm-hmm. And every single day, they are impacting someone's life. And that person gets to participate in a research experience. They get to learn about the latest technologies and the latest research areas and the latest areas of innovation that that this world is engaged in, not just this nation, but this world. And they're learning from some of the most outstanding, brightest, best Mm -hmm. researchers, scientists, principal investigators at DOE's national laboratories and the other federal agencies' laboratories, they're learning from them. They're applying practical concepts and knowledge that that they were taught at university, and they're doing it in an experiential setting with a hands-on atmosphere that allows them to think creatively and thoroughly about their projects. And they're solving 
wicked problems, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> They, they are exposed to wicked problems. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're solving some of the biggest questions, energy-related questions and national defense-related questions and food and, and drug and safety questions that are you know that this nation and that the world are exposed to. Mm-hmm. Our staff play a key critical role in that. And they see it every day, and they, they clock in every day knowing that they make a difference for that next generation that's going to make a difference for us. Mm-hmm. So that actually brings up a really good point when you were describing um, what what uh, participants actually get to do. If someone doesn't know what that looks like, um, what what programs are we managing? What does that mean? So, you know, someone in undergraduate or postgraduate, what do they get to do? What is the experience like um, for somebody that is thinking about applying for this kind of a program? You, you know, that is, that is a great question. Um, we will host and place nearly 10,000 research experience across hundreds of hosting facilities mm-hmm. annually. Mm-hmm. That's that, insane. Sorry, say that number again. <laughs> 10,000. It is an insane number, right? Yeah. And so that's why people need to know where to go to find these. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to shamelessly say, you need to go to Zenelect.com. No, that's great. That's Zenelect or intellect with a with Z. A Z. <laughs> that's right. .com yeah. in order to find your uh, perfect opportunity. Yeah. So. What does that really mean? Mm -hmm. So again, let's go back to the executive branch of the federal government. And we think about all these different federal agencies from DOE to the Centers of Disease Control, to the Food and Drug Administration, to USDA, to the Department of Defense, FBI. All of these different areas have a specific mission that's unique to that federal agency. So those 10,000 research opportunities are linked to those mission areas. So when you think about the Department of Energy, well, they've got a couple different mission areas, right? But certainly uh, energy uh, security and uh, energy innovation for the U.S. and and really the world is is one of those. National security, many people don't know, is one of DOE's major mission space areas. So if you're interested in energy research, and that, that could could cross a variety of different disciplines. You could be a computer programmer, a computer scientist, material scientist, um, a biologist, an, an, an engineer. Any of these areas, for DOE especially, engineering and the physical sciences, right. are areas that are key to their mission space and to their um, to their research areas and what they're trying to accomplish for the federal government. So each of these different agencies has a unique mission. It's our job to identify the next generation of scientists and engineers for these unique missions. Mm -hmm. And we're part of that workforce development component for these unique agencies. So we have a team of recruiters, we have a team of scientists Mm -hmm. that understand the science and educators that understand the pedagogy behind the learning experience and recruiters and business people that understand how to operate the programs and recruit the scientists. So we pull all that together and it's it's a bit of a bumblebee trying to fly, but Mm -hmm. boy, it certainly works. And it's worked for us for 73 years. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we place these 10,000 people and we, you know, but we track them. And what I love about this 
what um, I guess Aaron Burr and some of those folks do is right. They go back five, ten years after these folks have had these research participation experiences to see what they're doing. Where they ended up. And 96% of them, right, in the case of Oak Ridge National Lab, are still in the STEM fields, right? They're still doing science, which is what we hoped would happen. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and 95% in the case of the Food Drug Administration, and 88% in the case of CDC, and 85% with Department of Defense programs. So we're starting to see the data normalize, and we're starting to see, hey, if if you're in an ORIZE program, Mm -hmm. here's what this means beyond Mm -hmm. The time period that you're appointed and that you're researching and that you're learning, and you're yeah, you're right, Jenna. So we're, you know, you know, as scientists, we often say we're, we're going to support something with our data rather than we're going to prove something, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so yeah, we're saying hey, we're, it's we're, we're we're leaning closer to saying it's we're, we can support the fact that these programs are working and they're yeah. working at a scale that's that's different than other programs. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm gonna say in this case, different as being more impactful. Mm-hmm. Impactful to the learner's experience, impactful to future collaborations at the hosting facilities. Um, here's one of the things that, that uh, hopefully you, you will have some uh, future applicants listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. but um, found foundations and grants. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see that if you have an ORI's appointment, an ORU appointment, then you are you have a better chance. Ooh, that's a good of, nugget of, 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 <laughs> of earning grants through foundations, through the federal government yeah. and the private sector, than maybe someone who didn't earn yeah. that appointment. Because that's that great. grant offering institution knows that you had a quality experience mm-hmm. and your yeah. quality. And you're walking away from that ex- that research based experience. For, for the most part, people are walking away, not only practically applying knowledge that they learned, um, you know, outside the classroom, mm-hmm. but they're producing scholarly works mm-hmm. that impact their field of science, whether they're publishing or presenting or creating posters or reviewing manuscripts. They're producing works that are later to be cited. And so they're producing those works. They're going into whatever final, uh, final vocation, you know, job that they will be in after their appointment with us. They're continuing to collaborate with that uh, hosting facility, whether that's DOE, CDC, or FDA, whomever that may be. And then they're earning grants at a level that's that would be really attractive to to someone that's, say, a postdoc applying Sorry. or trying to discern, do I want the ORI's research experience mm-hmm. or do I want to take a postdoc experience somewhere else? Mm-hmm. I'm going to shamelessly plug ORI's and say, <laughs> look at us because of what uh, what's happened in the past. Yeah. And the thing that we can certainly say about the ORI's experience is you're going to do the research. You're going to, you know, yep. you're going to do the publication. You're going to, you know, you're not going to just be sitting in someone's office. Getting them coffee. Filing old papers <laughs> and getting them coffee, yeah. right? You're going to be at the bench doing the work. Yeah. Which is, if if I were a, <laughs> if I were science minded, that would be the dream. That's the dream, right? yeah. That, that to me, that's, yeah, you're absolutely correct. That's the dream. There's a level of independence that one will gain during these appointments. But at the same time, 
we're, we're starting to move towards multidisciplinary teams mm-hmm. across so many different disciplines with with so many different trains of thought mm-hmm. of diversity you know div- diversity of thought within those teams and that structure that's built at these national laboratories and these other research centers that it that it just makes for such a positive you know environment and experience so you walk away not only learning something new publishing and creating scholarly works but you walk away understanding more about disciplines that you didn't know about mm-hmm. than you would have without this experience right. and making those connections i mean those are invaluable, invaluable. connections that you're Definitely. making you know with the top tier scientists around the world that there there's there's really not many other places that offer you that that availability to be that close and you know and work side by side with people of that caliber. Right. So I'm not sure I can say it any better than that. So, <laughs> what, so what I'll do is just I'll reemphasize the fact that when you're here, networking is a key component mm-hmm. of each of these appointments, and that's networking with peers. That's network. It could be other students. It could be other postdocs. Mm-hmm. That's ne- networking with your mentoring team or, or your team. That's networking with other administrators at the laboratory or at conferences and other events that you're going to be exposed to. But I think the key thing to take away is is networking. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. It, it is something, it is a, a part of the experience that is very invaluable and it makes it, um, it makes it an ORIZE, an ORU experience. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, speaking about ne- networking, one of my favorite um, kind of experiences hearing about that was when Bo Cumberland and I were in Athens, Georgia, talking to participants at the FDA and international students who are working with the guys who wrote the textbook (laughs) that they were reading back home. And to them, these guys are rock stars, Mm -hmm. right? And they're working in their labs and they're thrilled to death to be there because they're doing amazing work that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm a bit of a, if I can say, you can edit this, I guess, science <laughs> nerds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when it, when it comes to these things, I, I think we use the term rock star incorrectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We, yeah. it, it's not someone out on stage. Yeah. Uh, but it should be a different type of stage. The stage should be the laboratory. Yeah. Right. Because the, the amount of innovation that they're pushing out of these national labs and these yeah. research centers that end up, and this is what a lot of people don't know, that maybe the general public don't know, that's transferred. That innovation is transferred into our everyday life right. in some form or fashion is, uh, to me, where the, the real rock stars are earning their money day in, day out. Yep. Absolutely. We could seriously all day. talk about this all day. <laughs> well, we should. <laughs> but we hope there are people sitting in their cars yeah. or at home listening, listening. to the end of this. Kind of hoping we'd wrap up. So, <laughs> Craig, we will have you back yeah. for, well, for a part more two. conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Is there anything you want to say right now before we close things up? Well, it's, I would be happy to come back anytime you will invite me. It's been my pleasure to be here. I look forward to talking to you two mm-hmm. in the future. And once again, if you are um, someone 
listening that is interested in looking at the various positions that we might have, we need you to go visit our Zintellect website, correct? Please do so. Zintellect.com. Right. <laughs> yep. Intellect with a Z. There you go. <laughs> dot com. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the O-Rise Feature Cast. To learn more about the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, visit orise.orau.gov or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Connect.